Welcome to and almost starring the show where each week we take a film and break down the casting, including who almost starred. I'm Jeff Ronan. I'm Amy Jo Jackson. And as soon as Alan Rickman came in, Amy Jo started tearing up. Hey. It's Sense and Sensibility. <laughs> for better or for worse, out there is a universe where it may seem bizarre, but they were almost starring. Amy Jo, how are you doing today? We are about to discuss one of <laughs> my favorite films in existence. Aww. We got to rewatch it. Mm-hmm. I'm doing great, George. I'm glad to how hear are it. You? I am doing good. Uh, and listener, I hope you're doing good too. And if you're doing good, I hope you're doing so good that you would consider <laughs> subscribing to the show. Flawless Maybe segue. Review. You know what? <laughs> I'm doing what I can. Uh, Sense and Sensibility came out on January 26th, 1995, and was directed by Ang Lee and adapted by Emma Thompson from the novel by Jane Austen. Amy Joe, what's the experience of Sense and Sensibility? When's the first time you remember seeing it? Now, I'll be honest. I think... I'm almost positive I saw this in theaters because I wow. do remember Harriet Walter in the carriage like mm. very early. I, I'm almost positive I'm having a sense memory of myself seeing that in theaters. I know I saw the Gwyneth Paltrow Emma in theaters, but I'm pretty sure I saw this in theaters. And I love it. Like this was my introduction to Jane Austen because she mm-hmm. hadn't made her big comeback really yeah. until this movie. Um like I'd grown up a big Bronte head, you know, uh-huh. a lot darker. Um, sure. So you hadn't seen the Colin Firth. No, I had. No, I had not. In fact, controversial. <gasps> I saw the Keira Knightley Joe Wright version first, oh. and because of that, I you prefer, kind of prefer it. that. Okay. I, I, there's lis- listener. Put your pitch now. Listen, down, listener. You calm down. There are wonderful things to admire about the Colin Firth miniseries. Many, Jennifer Ely, wonderful. Colin Firth, delightful. However, I prefer the movie for myriad reasons that I'm happy to discuss with you all on Instagram at and almost starring. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so I have seen this movie a jillion times. I used to own, there was a book version of the screenplay that also had like Emma Thompson's like, journal diary entries as she was writing and then filming it which i wish i had still but i certainly don't anymore um and i remember like reading it and loving it you know all their like behind the scenes stuff and yeah i've seen this so many times however upon the death of alan rickman Mm -hmm. which truly devastated me like i was in cincinnati I'd gone out to meet up with the Kinky Boots tour. I was the dialect coach, so I would like get taken out every like four to six months to note the show. So I was in Cincinnati in a hotel room and I woke up to the news and I just like lay there in bed and really truly wept for like half an hour. Um, And I texted one of my dear friends who also gets it and she's like, yeah, it's really sad. Like he, he was like the leader of our people as far as like actors go. It was like such a beacon. So then, you know, I was texting with you, Jeff, and you were like, oh, well, when you get home, we can we can watch Sense and Sensibility because you'd never seen it. And I was like, I am yeah. not <laughs> ready for that. I was like, I can't possibly. I think we did Galaxy Quest at some at some point. We, as I could not touch an Alan Rickman okay. film for ages. We ended up watching Galaxy Quest. I'm saying eventually. When we eventually yes, were like, we let's did it watch, that summer when know, we were doing celebrate. Um, and Alan Rickman. That that summer moment. when we were doing um uh Spam a lot, which was mm. like a year mm-hmm. later. Yeah. I finally was like, oh no, I haven't yeah. broken the seal. No. And then we finally watched Sense and Sensibility when we were working on Noises Off. I remember everything by what regional gig we were doing at the time. <laughs> uh we watched that. Uh so it was 2017. And this is only my second time watching it since he died. Since he I've been died. able to watch Die Hard and Galaxy sure, Quest sure. and, and But he's just so sweet in this. It he's is, so thoughtful. It's all heart. He's just yeah. so yeah. beautiful in this that it's it is wonderful but hard to heart watch. Chakra. It is like yeah. such a beautiful for a, for a Brit in a Jane for Austen a Brit in a Jane situation. Austen. That's yeah. what I'm saying. But it's for but for especially Alan Rickman, like coming off of Die Hard and Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, and like all of these like quickly down under all these heel yeah. turns. That to be, it's such a great inspired casting choice and we'll we'll get into it because yeah. he's one of our ones we'll be discussing today uh and yeah as you said that was my first time seeing it was watching it with you 
I really enjoyed it. Uh, so this is only my second time seeing it. Uh, and I think I enjoyed it even more. It's just so well made. It's so charming. It's so well cast. It's top to bottom. Cast, gorgeously to shot. Oh, beautiful. Wow. Beautifully shot. Uh, yeah, it's just a really well made film. Like, listener, if you've not seen it, highly recommend checking it out. We're going to spoil it all, but it's also, you know, it. who, who cares? It's, the book's been out since been out. the mid 19th century. <laughs> yeah. And even so. if you know where it all turns up, it's like, it doesn't matter. It's a beautiful, beautiful film. Strongly recommend checking it out either way. Uh, but let's get into it, shall we? Spoilers ahead. If you haven't seen Sense and Sensibility or haven't seen it in a while, here's a brief ish synopsis. On his deathbed, Mr. Dashwood tells his son from his first marriage, John, to take care of his second wife and three daughters, Eleanor, Marianne, and Margaret, since under English law, they will inherit nothing. So everything this, goes to the first yeah, born. This is a great, well, firstborn and firstborn son. Firstborn son, yeah. yeah. This is also great casting. Get Tom Wilkinson in here for one, one scene, scene, a deathbed scene. Yeah. You immediately pay attention mm-hmm. and... He's great. He's so good. Well, I mean, this. I mean, there's so many people in this that like would go on oh, to yeah. get even bigger and bigger and bigger. Like him, Hugh Laurie, Imelda Staunton, people who had worked up at that point. But this is before like yeah, international. I mean, yeah, stars. I was a huge Hugh Laurie fan by this point, so I was so excited because I had grown up watching Blackadder and a bit of Fran Laurie, yeah. and Cheese and Worcester. So he was like very well known to British audiences right, and right. nerds like my. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, Tom Wilkinson, I mean, this is long before the days of even like full Monty for like Tom Wilkinson. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, one scene. So good. Uh, so John promises that he will take care of them, but his stingy wife, Fanny, convinces him to give his half-sisters nothing financially, and they immediately install themselves in the house, forcing the Dashwood ladies to look for a new home. This Fanny- is also just Harriet Walter. Harriet Walter is Fanny. Never not perfect but in this role in particular when i think and i've seen harriet walter on the stage a number of times and in a billion movies this is what i think of when i think of harriet walter just like coming in and when you talk about like we have our acting teacher larry moss will talk about like how does your character disturb the air i feel like this is a master class in that just like the way she when she speaks and when she doesn't the voice she's using it's like a cold frost being swept into every room she comes into she's like a yeah like a raven (laughs) <laughs> it just like perched atop like it's like she's trying out for the wicked witch of the west yes, she's like made up Mrs. Like the voice the voice that voice that she does just I, like ugh. no idea if you're giving them money mm. it'd be uh, far more likely uh, to give you something i mean you know i know it's an adaptation of the book but like i i wish she had some kind of comeuppance in this film because she's such a she's so nasty and she really doesn't she's no. just like but isn't that the way it goes. It's tr- you know what? It's true to life. Uh, and Fanny invites her brother, Edward Ferris, to stay with them. Eleanor and Edward soon form a close friendship. But Fanny tells Mrs. Dashwood that Edward would be disinherited if he married someone of no importance or with no money. We're setting that seed. And Gemma Jones, just also an MVP. This cast is stacked. Gemma Jones, who plays <laughs> mother, Mrs. Dashwood. I understand you perfectly. Just... <laughs> Oh, every lot, not, not a shred of a moment wasted. So Mrs. Dashwood's cousin, Sir John, offers them a small cottage house on his estate in Devonshire. There the Dashwoods meet the older Colonel Brandon, oh, Alan Rickman, who falls in love with Marianne at first sight. However, Marianne falls with a dashing John Willoughby. Willoughby. Who rescues her after she slips and falls in a rainstorm, which this scene with him rescuing her. It's so funny. Her, uh, it took 50 takes. So... Kate Winslet got hypothermia from filming this scene. So this is not unlike the film that she got very ill. Yeah, everyone, I think quite a few people got injured doing this movie as well. There's so much outdoor stuff, Mm. you know, as well. You're like running around those like tiny little ballet slippers, like in the middle of a field. I think Kate Winslet or Emma Thompson, if I remember correctly, one of them did actually hurt their ankle, something like that. Again, I did not reread the book. but um, It was also around this part where... uh, Alan Rickman as Colonel Brandon like rides up on a horse to invite them to uh, to a picnic. Uh, My estate delivered. Right, and, and of course I'll invite Mr. Willoughby as Kate Winslet like has no interest in in him at all. It's yeah. like oh, I'll invite Willoughby. Okay, I'll be there. But apparently for filming the scene, uh, this took forever to film this because the horse that he was riding had terrible flatulence. Oh, so no. as he's riding up, this horse is just tooting like. As, it's just as he's galloping up, as he's trying to talk. Because I'm like, hello there, ladies. <laughs> the things you just don't think about. 
And they were forced to shoot the scene with this farting horse. Like they couldn't, they, this horse would not stop farting. So they, it, in the take you're watching the movie, this horse is farting and they've edited it out. So Alan Rickman is just riding this <laughs> farting horse and know that he is like you, but he is just acting through. I don't know how bad that might've smelled. And oh, he is true. just, Livestock. he is just giving you full heart. Well, of course, be including <laughs> Mr. Willoughby in the party. Wow, that really, that really, Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, and on the morning that Marianne expects Willoughby to propose to her, he instead leaves hurriedly for London. Everyone is like, what? What's going on with this dashing man? Like, what is happening with this Willoughby? What is he hiding? Uh, Sir- Eleanor's the only one who thinks, right. what is this guy hiding? What's he hiding behind those massive sideburns of his? B- beside those, like, thin mutton chops. Yeah. Uh, so Sir John's mother-in-law, Mrs. Jennings. Uh, Elizabeth Spriggs. Yeah. <laughs> MVP again. Such a nosy busybody in everyone's business. Always on Eleanor for like, ooh, who's this mysterious Mr. F that she's, F that she's infatuated with? Yeah, this, okay, so this movie is the movie that I recommend to people who are working on RP, like a, an upper class British accent, because everyone in it is genuinely British. A lot of them like have grown up speaking this way or trained this way early enough mm-hmm. in life that it's basically like a primary source and i give elizabeth spriggs and amelda staunton who plays her daughter as examples of like if americans trying to learn musicality in a, how to use it in an effective british way and i'm like listen to these two character actors who are like pushing at the limits of what is like acceptable and yet we still totally buy them as humans we so know these women it's like i think it's such a brilliantly curated clown performance because we're like yeah yeah Oh, she's painfully real and yeah. so funny. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Uh, and so, yeah, she invites her daughter, the aforementioned Imelda Stein, and her son-in-law, Hugh Laurie, mm. Mr. and Mrs. Palmer, to visit. And they bring with them Lucy Steele. And Lucy confides in Eleanor that she and Edward have been engaged secretly for five years. In the scene with the rain and they're whispering and it's so... the oh, I just love the sound quality of this. We've been secretly engaged yeah. these and just years. And just more great Emma Thompson reacting, acting, her just listening, oh. acting. Uh, we just sells it all on her face as you just see like, oh, that's why Edward is just mm-hmm. awkward and that's not actually... That's what he meant by Plymouth. <laughs> Plymouth. Uh, yeah, so she realizes Edward will not break his promise to Lucy and chooses to sacrifice her own happiness to help preserve Edward's integrity. Mrs. Jennings takes Lucy, Eleanor, and Marianne to London, where they run into Willoughby at this ball, who is, he is so awk. He is like, I am busted. Oh, I'm well, like, yeah, because he uh, is. But, oh, man, Kate Wins is just like shouting from across the room. And he's like, oh, crap, 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 crap. And he's just like, okay, so, oh, so good to see you. Um, I got to get going to my... My rich girlfriend. My rich fiance. The way they've also, like, costumed her, which is because, like, especially if you don't have, like, a great working knowledge of, like, what the different styles of dress are saying about, yeah. you know, the, the socioeconomic status of people, you get it when you see this woman that Dressed he walks to up nines. to. It's just lays perfectly everything is sparkling she just looks like money and then you cut back to them and it's like oh they look like they're dressed up nicely but this is like the best they can do because of they, their they, financial situation you know they've uh they've repurposed some very nice tablecloths into <laughs> some dresses well it's also that even when they had money they're still living in the country right and she is a wealthy She's a city girl city girl mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh so yes they find out that he is already engaged to the extremely wealthy miss gray marianne becomes inconsolable and we get this great scene with Colonel Brand. All these great scenes, which like if you didn't know the book, like I could also see, which I kind of love, is like there's so many scenes between Alan Rickman and Emma Thompson, where it's like I could see the world. I'm like, would they, are they going to wind up together? Because mm-hmm. they at least they seem like similar. Well, and that's clearly also other. what um what Edward Ferris thinks when when he's like when we get to it later when he's being offered the parish by Colonel Brandon. It's clearly that he's like, oh, like. I I see like you you've organized this and you are close to this person which right, must mean that right. you have moved on as well right uh but yeah we get this whole great scene with uh this whole monologue from Alan Rickman where he talks about like how that Willoughby had seduced and abandoned his young ward Colonel Brandon's young ward Beth 
who was the illegitimate daughter of Brandon's former love, Eliza, all of this backstory of these people that we never mm-hmm. meet, um, which he sells, which apparently this was supposed to have all these flashbacks, all this like stylized imagery before Emma Thompson was like, this is emotionally more interesting to just let Alan Rickman tell the story himself. Yeah, it's Alan Rickman. And he, the, one thing that the the combination of Emma Thompson as screenwriter and Ang Lee as director and the way that this film has been cast it's like they really trust the actors they've hired. There's so many shots that are just, like you say, like a shot of someone reacting to some news or seeing something. Yeah. And we get the whole story. Like we don't need extra dialogue and we don't need we don't need a, a flashback. It's like right. just it's trust so, I can just do a simple shot of this person's face. It's so well done of putting it all in the subtext, of putting mm-hmm. it all of like so many great scenes of like, you know, of uh, this brief scene between Emma Thompson and Kate Winslet where Emma Thompson is just like preparing gifts for all of their former servants. house servants that they have to let go. And it's just like telling you that's such so character revealing. Mm-hmm. It's so much more interesting than just two people talking. It's like, oh no, what is she also doing? She's also like gifts for the service. Yeah. And yeah. that's, you're just getting so much information from like the smallest little details and from, yeah, of just reactions of people without having to be blatant, which is also part of the time period of people aren't like, or I guess it's also part and parcel between the sense and the sensibility mm-hmm. uh, of when Kate Winslet is just like, I'm in love, I'm in love, I'm in love with a not so wonderful guy. And Emma Thompson <laughs> is like, I shall never say a word about my feelings, uh, except for when she does. And it's like, oh, it's just so good. Her like, you know, I even even you, Marianne, you would see that I had a broken heart. And then Marianne starts crying and she has to comfort yes. her sister. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> classic. Yeah, just so, just such good relationships between all the characters mm-hmm. throughout. I mean, there's also the great moment where all, all the ladies in the house are crying except for <laughs> Emma Thompson. It's like everyone's crying and she's just like, okay, I'm going to sit on the stairs and sip my tea. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, we get the scene with Colonel Brandon explaining about Willoughby and when Willoughby's aunt and benefactress, Lady Allen, learned that he had knocked up this woman, she and uh disinherited him so he chose to quickly marry for money which is why he has abandoned yeah. marianne whereas if he had proposed like the day before that might have been in, you know right which colonel brand is like i think he probably would have uh, like says, i have to since learned from lady allen have loved marianne yeah, he did mean to propose that day yeah lucy Steele is invited to stay with john and fanny dashwood this great scene where she believes that she's a friend in fanny and decides to confide in her and the way they the first time we see harriet walter not in like all black she is wearing the most ridiculous she looks like a little dutch child like she's wearing this bright green almost dirndl type thing with like the little dutch like white hat she might as well have some clogs on and she's doing like a feather arrangement like a feather wreath or something Ugh. and she's using the oh tush she's got the little feather and she's like yeah. touching it at oh Lucy's you can nose. tell me anything i'm the soul of discretion i'm the soul of discretion and she's like whispers in her ear like clearly is like i'm engaged to she your says brother, it's your brother edward, edward. and yeah. she just is kicking the crap out of her just like yank into her feet and it's just like they're slapping she's like stop it stop it and then grabs her by the nose to force her out of the house uh it's so silly um and so yes edward's mother demands that he break off this engagement to lucy when he refuses she arranges to have his fortune transferred to his younger brother robert on hearing this colonel brandon offers edward the parish on his estate feeling sympathy for the unfortunate but honorable edward on their way home to Devonshire, Eleanor and Marianne stop for the night at the country estate of the Palmers, who live near Willoughby's estate. And as Imelda Staunton never, as as uh, they, they talk about, like, I do not think she drew breath since we left London. Like, she is, if you take Mrs. Jennings as someone who doesn't shut up, the daughter is even more intense about it. So Imelda Staunton, like, won't stop talking about, like, you can see his house from the top of a hill. You can see his yeah. despicable house from the top of a hill. So, of course, like, it's like Kate Winslet's like... Mm. <laughs> okay see you later i'm gonna go for a walk I, it's like it's gonna no, rain it's like i'll no, be no, fine no, 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 no. Cool, 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 cool. right and then she's just sitting just standing in the rain staring at his estate for hours at saying willoughby 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 willoughby, willoughby. Uh, becomes gravely ill with a fever and colonel brandon finds her helps carry her home the palmers immediately leave which is great when they're just like oh it could be contagious i would advocate for the hasty removal of your child mrs palmer we gotta get out of here (laughs) uh and colonel brandon yeah they all take care of her marianne uh recovers and colonel brandon and marianne begin spending time together as marianne finds a new appreciation for him and she admits to eleanor that even if willoughby had chosen her she was no longer convinced that love would have been enough to make him happy the Dashwoods soon learn that Miss Steele has become Mrs. Ferris and assume she married Edward, 
But Edward visits the house and they learn that she married his brother, Robert, which I don't understand if it was such a you can't marry Edward. Here's here's the deal. Yeah. Explain this you, to Mrs. me. Mrs. Jennings says it. Now, I don't know enough about the law at this time to understand how this happens. But basically, when Edward says, no, I'm going to stand by Lucy. Yeah. The mother disinherits him. And then Mrs. Jennings has a line. She has fixed it all irrevocably on Mr. Robert. So something about the way she did it means she can't change the will or what. I right. don't know exactly why. But the thing is, it's like, okay, well, Edward, you can't have it. So Robert, there's no going back on this. And you can see from the first moment between Robert and Lucy that they are much more well suited for one yeah. another and that they clearly like dig one another and enjoy each right. other. They're both gossipy, awful people. So they still wind up with Lucy as a part of their family. They sure do. Either way. I, it's like, okay, sure, whatever, you weird, weird family. This is a nightmare family. It's the, like the Ferrers. Yes. Yeah. Like Edwards. It's like, you got to get out of there. This is just like. I know. But you know. That's why he's he he's now on the with the other the other Dashwoods. He's tried. He's tried to speak up, but he uh, it's Hugh Grant. So he, of course, just is ineffectually just like, um, uh, ooh, uh. he's very good early on with like passive aggressively in a way that Fanny completely understands being like, you know, they've just lost their father. Their lives will never be the same, you know, and all the stuff like that. Like being like, I'm right. not going to stay in the room that my sister picked. That's clearly one of the family rooms. Right. I'm going to go forcing stay in this young child out of her who's room in mourning. And yeah, yeah. he's like, no, I'm not going to do no. that. Like yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. he's clearly got his ways of surviving within his own family. Definitely. Um, so he arrives and explains, oh, no, no, she's, she married my brother, Robert. I am, I am here. I am single. I'm cl here clearly because I'm finally now not Yeah. Well, engaged. he's clearly already moved to Delaford and taken up the estate on the, because yes. then he's close by. Now he's a neighbor. Right, right. Uh, and hearing this, Eleanor finally breaks down, unable to repress her feelings any longer, which it's so good. It's such a great choice. Uh, she said that for this scene, Thompson found inspiration from her reaction to her father's death and Hugh Grant was unaware that Emma Thompson was going to cry through most of his speech <laughs> and she attempted to reassure him there's no other way and I promise you it'll work and it will be funny as well as being touching and he said oh all right and he was very good about it oh, <laughs> it's, just it's like, beautiful this is my like big moment like here's my speech and you are gonna steal the focus by wailing she is the protagonist it. it's very true it's very true uh but it does feel like a lot of his moments which I think work well is like this is not about it's still not really about Correct. him. It is about how the information is hitting all of Correct. the other characters. Uh, but it's so it's so good. It's such a great unexpected choice that she is just like grossly sobbing. Well, and then this. it also like beautifully does affect Hugh Grant, the actor, as it's like, oh, I, yeah, oh, uh, <laughs> like as he's processing it and being like reassuring, and that like it it creates something more to play off of than just this is the speech I've memorized. Right. As he finishes, he says, "My, my heart is and always will." be yours and they marry and soon afterward marion marries colonel brandon and willoughby watches their wedding from distance with a look of regret on his face as he rides away hey you you break it you bought it willoughby you know <laughs> like that's it's your own fault so you made you make your choices you made your bed you lie in it yeah but you know what, what? willoughby uh, returns in the sequel willoughby returns <laughs> It's just the movie. Willoughby returns. Um, well, no, Greg Wise and Emma Thompson married after this they film. They sure which did. I love they're still married today. I know. They were quarantining so up in Scotland together. Good for them. I think so. Good for them. The casting director of Sense and Sensibility was Michelle Gish. Gish began her career casting Monty Python's The Meaning of Life and will go on to cast such films as Four Weddings and a Funeral, The English Patient, Shakespeare in Love, and The Best Exotic Marigold Hotel. Hmm. So let's move on to some of the actors who were almost cast. Some of these people may have auditioned. Some may have just been discussed by casting. This is all a little subjective. And as always, I've looked up all the actors in advance, and Amy Jo is hearing it along with you, listener, for the very first time. Can't wait. Let's kick it off with Eleanor Dashwood. Amy Jo, your thoughts on that? Emma Thompson, and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? Okay, so I'd like to say a couple things real quick right before, like, kind of blanket statements. One is... I'm a pretty creative person. 
This was a hard film for me to be creative with, okay? So I don't have a lot of options. I get it. Secondly, it is an entirely white film. And I do think that if we look at like how a lot of period pieces are made today, we've begun to abandon the notion that verisimilitude is like the most important thing. Um, we were in a stage in the 90s where that was not a thing people were thinking about or or at all messing around with. So... I have some options that are not necessarily people who would look like sisters and I don't care. I do think Great. like they're, they're all brilliantly cast. I love this cast, but it feels very nineties in its treatment of um, what we think of when we think of like how, how people of a certain status are supposed to look at a certain point in time. Anyway, that is to say, okay, for Eleanor, gosh, it's hard. Cause also she wrote it. So I'm very interested that she's on this list because I don't know if this is I'm curious to hear what info you have when I'm done, because um, I'm happy to offer up just a bateen of that. Well, I don't know if it was like a studio thing or if it was was originally. I mean, she was just tapped to to write it, write it originally. And that was it. So she had no intention of acting in it. And it was the studio that wanted her for it because she just won an Oscar for Howard's End. No, you're a hot star now. You, you know, Howard's End, Remains of the Day, In the Name of the Father. She has, you know, won one Oscar, two additional nominations, uh, and had just made her Hollywood debut the year before with <laughs> Junior. Oh, man. <laughs> but wow. it made enough money. It was still like now a, a wider audience knows, knows who, who you, you are, are uh, and you won an Oscar. So it's like you are a hot star. It's like That's we want you in this. Fascinating. I would have thought it was the inverse, but that makes a lot of sense. Because she was like, I'm too old for this. I'm like 36 at the time. And she's supposed to be like 19. And they were like, okay, well, why don't you raise the age? Which for a modern audience, I feel like you always have to do. Because for a modern audience, it's like, oh, this older, she's like supposed to be a spinster. uh, And she's 20, um, opposed to raising the age. Because now today you're like, oh, okay, I can kind of get, I understand. I get what the emotional temperature is of what that feels like. uh, What you're trying to say with this character, of that this character is like, oh yeah, she is kind of past not past her prime, no, but past but the point where she would normally be getting married. She's, she's getting past courted, her typical. Yes, exactly. Whereas marriage. Kate Winslet is like, I'm prime age now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So uh, both of these actors that I have on this list are a little younger than uh, Emma Thompson would have been, but I think still would have been good at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, both fairly different. Uh, Emily Watson Uh, who I love in everything she does. She's excellent. I think particularly like Gosford Park, which is a much like Mm. saucier kind of role, but like she, she gets, I don't know. She, she's, I think runs so deep and has such humor. She'd be really fun in this. Oh, I've also picked for all these roles, only Brits. Yeah. Um, Makes sense. uh, Because these are all Brits and I feel like that really does add to it. Um, the other, the other actor I had, that I thought actually would be really lovely in this part as well is uh, Sophie Okanito, who is about oh, the same age as Emily yeah. Watson. And I, I've yet to find something that I have disliked her in oh, she's so good. or that she can't do. No, she's great. She's an amazing actor. Uh, yeah, those are great. I was like, at the time, like I could see maybe Kristen Scott Thomas. Hmm. Uh, you know who I think would have crushed this is Tamsin Gregg, who <sighs> I just love, love, love. I mean, everything from green wing to episodes to black book uh i mean it's more widely known in the the brits Uh, episodes is kind of her big thing the Mm -hmm. showtime show with matt leblanc uh i mean we saw her uh, at the national playing malvolia in 12th night and she was an amazing stage performer but just also like the the breadth of that performance but there's something of like of taking someone that can be so funny and uh and and it is like this is such a role with like the lid is on Mm -hmm. for like so much of it everything's just bubbling underneath but you feel that and you that's what you need you can't just you know which emma thompson does so so well in this uh so that's why i think tamson greg but you know what else she does that that's that's great is like the role is written by someone who is very funny yeah. But it's it's just really restrained, as you say. So like you have lines that are she gets so many great laugh lines, but it's not a clown performance, you no, know, not at all. And I think that that's a thing. Actually, Tamsin Greg would be really great at. Yeah. Made later. Uh, Samantha Morton is also someone mm-hmm. that I think would crush uh, Juliet Rylance, who we just saw oh, in Perry Mason. I'm very interested in that. I think would have played a great Eleanor. 
Uh, and also, I mean, whatever, at some point, I guess maybe like 10 years back or so, uh, Sally Hawkins, because just think of someone mm. like the difference between happy go lucky, which she's it's so broad and like such a life of a performance. And then like when you like shape of water, when you like take away like, OK, now you have no lines. You now you're playing a mute character and you're of, of what that does to tamper down all of like that. Those like instincts, those like amazing comedic instincts that she has. Like, I think that she could give a really I could just see a very like mm-hmm. beautiful understated performance where it's like everything is so like going like an electrical under live the, wire right under the mm-hmm. surface. I will say based on those that you just said, Kristen Scott Thomas, I actually think would make a really great Fanny, which I, I know think, is I not mean, someone so we're discussing. Well. I mean, just sure. that kind of, she's just so sharp, you know? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw her on the Broadway stage in The Seagull. So did I. As Arcadna. Oh, she well, was great. Unsurprised. Uh, so with her best adapted screenplay, Academy Award win for this, Emma Thompson became the first person ever to receive Oscars for both acting and writing. I just, it makes me so happy. You love to see it. You love to see it. Because it's also, it's not like, oh, you're a pretty good actor, but you're a really good writer or vice versa. No, she is so good at both of the things. She's so good. I always loved Emma Thompson. I love her so much. I, I feel like I need to think of her more when recommending for like mm-hmm. fantasy casting on the pod. Cause she is, she really is like, I do love her so much. Uh, so only one other actor, this was who Emma Thompson wanted Natasha Richardson. Totally. Which would be great. Totally. Which would be I do prefer Emma Thompson. I agree. Um, but I can, I can see why she would go Natasha Richardson and then get Vanessa to play the mother. I mean, they were too old at that point, but like, you know, that'd be Vanessa Redgrave. Right. Yeah, right. Right. Her right. actual mother. I could see that. Yeah. yeah. With, uh, I don't know, get Lynn, Lynn Redgrave somewhere in there. She's really, she'd be a fun, um, th- uh, Mrs. Jennings, yeah, I feel like. I could, I could, I, could I see saw her Lynn play, I Mrs. saw Jennings. Lynn Redgrave play, uh, Lady Bracknell. As did I. Yeah. <laughs> we, we've both seen a lot Even of theater. Before we these, were are, together, these are shows we that we did not see together. Listen, that was long before we knew each other. <laughs> we were just both nerds. Like, I'm going to go out to BAM. Importance of being earnest. See Miriam Margulies play Miss Prism. <laughs> Call it a day. Uh, yes. So she didn't have anything else in 1995, but this was in between uh, Nell which Natasha Richardson had in 1994 with Jodie Foster. Mm-hmm. And in 1996, she had an episode of Tales from the Crypt with Bob Hoskins and Greg Wise, who plays Willoughby. Well, well, well. So she'd work with Greg Wise there. And she was shortly to go on to do that cabaret revival, that Sam Mendes. Yes, this is that's right around the corner. And the Parent Trap remake right. with Lindsay Lohan right around the corner. I forgot she was in that. Yep, yep, yep. Let's move on to Lucy Steele. Amy Joe, your thoughts on Imogen Stubbs? And who would you cast if you had to cast someone else's smaller role? This is the one, the woman who is secretly engaged in five years. I think she's great. It's such it's a tricky role because she is she is kind of a nasty piece of work, but you're not supposed to necessarily get get that. Yeah, I don't know. It's like, is she a nasty piece of work? It's hard to tell like what her deal is. Yes, the mo it's the way she's looking at Eleanor. She's needling her. And then the way that she when she tells her we've been engaged. It's been very hard on us both. We can barely see each other, but scarce above twice a year. And she starts, she turns on the tears and then pulls out the handkerchief that has his initials on it. And she blows her nose and then moves it a little bit so that the initials are more visible, blows her nose and looks at Eleanor. It's stuff like that where it's like very clear that she is like, sees her as a threat. Interesting. See, I didn't get that. To me, that was just like, this is the first person that I am trust in trusting with this information. So I can show like, look, see, I even have this handkerchief. Like I, no one else knows that I have this. I hear before, that, but before that she, I, I mean, I get, I get it. But as, as you go on and you, then I'm seeing the moments where she's like, wait, how Edward and Eleanor seem even closer than I initially thought. Yes. But you're saying that you think it was from the jump that she's like, well, that she senses something. Yeah. She's always trying to take Eleanor down a peg. A little bit, very subtly. She's not overt about it, but it's the, I mean, like most things in Austin and in this adaptation in particular, but like, for instance, when they're in the carriage on the way to London and um, she's like, oh, I'm of rather a jealous nature. If you talked more of any one young woman than any other, but he's never given a moment stress on that account. Like it's stuff like that, that it's like, yeah, you can take it at face value, but I don't take Lucy Steele at face (laughs) value. Fair enough. Um, so I actually don't, this was the one I had the hardest time with and I don't have a lot of other options for. The one other person who is maybe a little old for it at this point, 
maybe not is Juliet Stevenson, who's another like yeah. British actor who she she plays kind of a similar role to not similar role to this, but that a similar kind of functionary role like this in the Emma adaptation uh. that would come out shortly. Just someone who you're like, I have a hard time getting a bead on you. Am I supposed right. to like you? Or not. Like, I think that she rides that line quite well. And I think Imogen Stubbs rides that line quite well. So that's my thought. Yeah, I, I couldn't really think of anyone good for this. So I was like, I don't know. Let, let me just get like a comedic killer mm-hmm. where you're putting them in not really a comedic role. But I think that that would do something interesting for me. So I was like, I could see like, uh, maybe she's a little old, too old for it at the time, but Miranda Richardson. Mm-hmm. Uh, or like, mm-hmm. give me young Catherine Tate. There's something about like, I, I, I don't know. I don't really know mm-hmm. what I want from this because this to me is like one of the roles that I feel the weirdest about. Like I don't, it doesn't feel like, so strongly centered in one direction or the other like right. i feel like it's such a like uh ephemeral character she's like, a bit I don't, of a cipher no yeah like i don't know where she's well here's the thing from. i think also you look at you look at lucy she is like poorer than everyone else she is the poor relation they've styled her really well to like make her like look just a little more country bumpkin-ish-esque as well i think um she always looks like she's trying a little bit too hard and so like i think that that all informs how she moves through the world like um she's got this secret relationship that is now no longer emotional it's more just like a a lifeline you know as you uh, for so many of them marrying was the job it's like how you're gonna get your way out of poverty and everything um so it's not even like she's conniving in any real way. She's just like right. trying to survive, but still play by the rules, which I think does lead to it being like, yeah, she's hard to get a beat on. I don't think she's been able to be really open and honest, probably with anyone her whole life until maybe Robert, you see them like get like, they're like dancing together. Like yeah, she actually sent messages during the night. Yes. Like you feel <laughs> her like release in a way. Yeah. And I think that that's partially cause like she is someone who has not been able to just be, herself which has led to her being kind of um not maybe the the best most uh uh on the up and up kind of person yeah i hear that so one other actor who's considered for this director ang lee originally was only considering kate winslet for lucy interesting as he was not a huge fan of her performance in heavenly creatures which was her (gasps) the big the really the main other thing i'll do respect ang she's great in that movie <laughs> or maybe it is which i couldn't tell from just that's what it was it that it could be that it was like maybe based off her performance and that he couldn't see her as mary yes i think it does actually lend itself more to a lucy type role she's very so intense so wonderfully intense yes. and heavenly creatures that i can understand i can so see her in the the lucy correct role. yeah Oh, that's really interesting. Well, obviously, I'm glad we went another direction. I agree. Uh, so when Kate Winslet arrived at our audition, she pretended that her agent had sent her in to read for Marianne. Oh so she gosh. acted like, oh, see, I just prepared for Marianne. That's what I was told. And she had one reading and she won the role. Well, because she's a killer. <laughs> because, oh, wow. That's... Still, but you know, so sometimes just take the chance and <laughs> play dumb and go for it. Well, listener. here's the thing, too. Actors, we're, we're like told not to rock the boat and then we hear stories like that. And so it's like, it is like, well, I know I would kill this, but I think a lot of actors think they would kill it and, and wouldn't actually. Whereas oh, like Kate Winslet, Kate Winslet would go on to prove. Yes, that exactly. She has she it. has the goods to she's back it up and the they shot. were receptive to it. Yeah. But that that also feels like a very Marianne move to be like, no, yeah. I'm going to ask <laughs> for what I want. I'm why shouldn't up. I? I'm going to show up and go find Willoughby. Yeah. Why shouldn't I have what I want? Why should <laughs> I have to pretend true. I want something else? That That's is very, silly. very true. <laughs> wow. That's awesome. So let's move on to Colonel Brandon. Amy Cho, what what are your thoughts on Alan Rickman as Colonel Brandon? And who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? He's perfect. I know. He's so good. (laughs) Uh, Just on a technical level, like for a man who like was not known for doing performances where he like drastically altered his appearance and who really spoke with a pretty limited vocal range, there is like no one as expressive and as rich like and what range he has you know like to be able to do this and snape and snape has darker hair basically (laughs) you know like 
yes, it's different hair. I know, but it's not like he's going from like, oh, I got a buzz cut, and no, I'm <laughs> like, he's just so transformative while still like doing very little. Like it's just such an old school approach to acting that like I, I, I don't know. He's just so good. He's it's so a good. beautifully, beautifully calibrated performance. It mm. really is like such. It's just such heart. Yeah. It's just so full of heart, so full of life and the love. The look on his face when Marianne finally says thank you and like looks him dead in the eye, like yeah, calls she, him. Yeah, she has, he has like checked in on her because he like rescued her from the rain. And then he's just, he's just gone home, gotten her mother That's and brought right. her he's back. Just like, give me something to do or I shall go mad. And she's like, she would be easier if her mother were here. And so. And he's like, I'm, I'm getting her. It's like, boom, out the door. Yeah. And so. They they come back just as her fever's broken, right. like, um, and and she's like, you know, her mom is like holding onto her and like clucking over her, and like Colonel Brandon's like, oh, he's like starting moment. out by the door, and she's like Colonel, Colonel Brandon. Brandon, and he's like, Rrr. the look on his face where he's the like, she's asked for oh. me, yeah. she's just thank you, and then like <laughs> the look on his face, just like completely revealed, just yeah. like oh, which is like you have to with this role. Because it you is must. like you're, you know, you're over 20 years older. He's, I think, about 29 yeah, years so older. So much than, older. Than yeah. even just Even just character wise. Yes. To, that it could read as creepy, creepy. Or it could be just like, this is the couple we got to be on board with. I'm sure as like there are young, younger girls watching this in the time that are like, she doesn't wind up with Willoughby. Yeah. She's winding up with that old guy. Yeah. Well, let me see here, too. Um, Greg Wise was born in 66 and Rickman in 46. So he's right. 20 years younger. And then Kate Winslet was born in 75. 75 right. So like it's, it's an extreme age difference, but yeah. it also just like, I don't know, it fits with the time. And, and because you have someone like Rickman, it does not read as creepy when it could so easily read as creepy. And in fact, yeah. Alan Rickman is perfectly good at playing this exact thing very creepily in a film such as Sweeney Todd, you know, so we <laughs> know the point. man can do it. Yeah, it's true. Um, it's true. But yeah, he's wonderful. I don't, I don't have a lot of other thoughts. Sure. One thought that would have been okay contemporary contemporarily another actor who plays a lot of villains but who's got the range baby is sean bean who uh, i think i'd be very yeah. it'd be a similar kind of thing we're like really sean bean is gonna play colonel brennan but the guy can act he sure can but we never we don't really get that kind of thing from Those sean notes, bean at exactly. least at least not in a film this big totally or a film that i've seen anyway but i'm into yeah, it you know course. and then if this were made closer to today chiwetel Ejiofor, he's who i got on my list i'm just like yeah I he'd be that. so good he'd be so good oh i love him i'm into it yeah that'd be great uh yeah also the time i feel like similar i could see ray fines in this i could see sure him or a little later on uh or david thulis i i could see as a i think would be a really beautiful a colonel brandon pick. yes more so that ray fines Not just to pick <laughs> Harry Potter. Well, they were actors. all in all the movies. There's there's very few Brits that weren't in the Harry very Potter true. films at one point or another. Um or in the extended cinematic universe. I really like David Thewlis. Ray Fiennes and it's maybe that he's a brilliant actor but it's maybe that I know more about his personal life than I care right. to that makes it well, really maybe hard for me to see. 1995 before that yeah. we really knew that he was, you know, a member of the Mile High Club yeah. and XYZ. All the things that that might imply. Um, A horn dog, if you will. You know what? I will agree with that. A horn dog. Um, Yeah. Yeah. But no, excellent picks. So Kate Winslet admitted that she was terrified of Alan Rickman when she met him for the first time in the hair and makeup trailer. She thought that he would think she was a terrible actress and get her fired. But after a week or two, she got to know him and realized how sweet and warm he was. She ended up adoring him. So much that she worked with him again with uh, when she she directed him and co-starred with him in the film A Little Chaos in 2014, mm-hmm. uh, which I just love. But yeah, I can understand it. Be like if you only know him from like this is the guy from oh, Die yeah. Hard and Robin Hood, and like this is a terrifying individual. When I worked on Kinky Boots, there there's a character called Don who is like the heavy. It's the Nick Frost role in the movie. Um, so he's like a comedic character, but he's just kind of like this total like meathead. And um, the guy who was playing it was the loveliest. But if you'd only seen him on stage, you would not know that. And one of the first replacements that came in, like we were working on his dialect stuff, and he was like telling me how he had been so intimidated. <laughs> 
<laughs> to meet Dan. And he's like, oh, he's really, really nice. Because he was also understudying him. So oh, he's yeah. just like, I'm so intimidated by this guy who's got all these like serious like O'Neill credits. Like he's done like many Broadway plays. You expect plays. him to be like, yeah, I know you're my understudy, but uh, you're never going to be going on. Yeah, like in a really Don't even like. think about it. Which he barely ever called out this guy. Uh, but it was st- it's just like, he's just like the heart of the show, the biggest teddy bear and that kind of thing. Like, oh, right. He's an actor. I'm an actor. <laughs> He's just we are not who jerks. we portray. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, and that sound usually means it's time to play a quick round of two truths and some guy. But in this week's case, it'll be two lies and some guy. I gotta up the truth. The way it works, one of the following actors were up for the role of Colonel Brandon and the other two were not. And Amy just to guess which is which. <laughs> Your options are... Liam Neeson, Hugh Laurie, and Charles Dance. One of them was up for Colonel Brandon, and the other two were not. I am going to take a wild swing based on Emma Thompson's previous relationship with Hugh Laurie and say it was Hugh Laurie. Ding, ding, ding. That is correct. According to Stephen Fry's autobiography, Hugh Laurie was Emma Thompson's first choice for the role of Colonel Brandon before being cast as Mr. Palmer, Mm -hmm. which watching it, Again, like it really, he does kind of feel like a Colonel Brandon Jr. Where it's like he could curmudgeonly be, Colonel Brandon. Yeah, yeah. Which, but th- at the end, when he's like, when Hugh Laurie's like, is there anything, you know, if you want me to stay, that like, he wants it sick mm-hmm. and, and Imelda Staunton is like, we gotta get that baby out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, if you want me to stay, I will. But it, it could, that could, you could still have pitched that as a joke to be like, I can stay here. I don't have to leave with my totally, wife. Totally. But, but it's, it's not a so, joke at all. It's so, you know, like when she wakes him up in the middle of the night and he's just like, I like think, she yeah, needs, I think she needs a doctor. Yeah. And he's like, okay, all right. Yeah. He, he is like, I, which I could so see based off his performance in this, I think Hugh Laurie would have been a great Colonel Brandon. Oh, absolutely. Well, and this again, like you say, it's before House. So he was not known as a dramatic actor at this point. Right. He was known, comedy killer, yeah. like Listener, if you have not gone onto YouTube and watched any of the Cambridge Footlights review, this is basically like when Hugh Laurie and Stephen Fry and Emma Thompson were all at Cambridge together. They did like sketch comedy that you can watch. So it's kind of like a precursor to a bit of Fry and Laurie, which is like their sketch show that they did for many years, Stephen Fry and Hugh Laurie. Um, but like Emma Thompson is in all of these with them. And it's so fun. It's so fun to see these like baby funny people. I forget that might be what helped get her the job adapting the screenplay. Mm. Uh, if that, if she, if that's what I'm thinking of, because I remember there were some like sketches that she wrote yeah. that include, that were like Shakespearean there is, comedic there sketches. There is a great one that is one of my favorites and it is Stephen Fry and Hugh Laurie are in the sketch, but it's from Cambridge Footlights Review. So she might've written this one and it's making fun kind of of the John Barton playing Shakespeare uh, sessions yes, and all that I've kind of this. stuff. Yeah. yeah. That's from Cambridge Footlights Review. So that also might have been written by Emma Thompson. Yeah. Um, so th- I think that just fits. That just works so, so good. And I just love that Hugh Laurie is still in the film. Oh, yeah. Uh, even if not Colonel Brandon. But we got Alan Rickman as Colonel Brandon. So I think that all <laughs> I worked think out. we got what we needed, which is <laughs> Hugh Laurie and Alan Rickman in this movie, baby. Uh, and let's move on to Marianne Dashwood. Amy Jo, your thoughts on Kate Winslet. Who would you cast? You had to cast someone else. She's perfect. So good. She's so good. Just the beautiful contrast of her like full throttled romanticism, yeah. which will go on to be used again and again in many wonderful films. You know, think about like her in Titanic, just like the her. <laughs> I'm thinking of the scene where she's like there down below. Oh, you haven't seen Titanic. Wow. I'm <laughs> describing a scene to you. Know I'm familiar with it. There's though. that <laughs> shot where she and Leo are like, let's spin around. We've all seen the shot of her spinning around. Right. So like that is <laughs> legit also done in this movie as well. Just like yeah, not yeah. from the POV of the, the spinner. Um, <laughs> but like, it's just one of the, she just brings such full throttle earthy, beautiful romantic sensibilities to this and you like totally get it like like when she was being like carried in by willoughby in that first scene in the rain i was just laughing talking to you about like yes this is what i as a young person thought like yes that's what i want never mind the fact carried by almost everyone in the film all the men carry her around falling down you know but like never mind that i also as a tall person there were very few people who were like yes no problem for me to carry you any distance let alone up a steep hill um, so that was also extra romantic to me because of the impossibility of it. Um, but 
Yeah, she's she's magnificent. Someday she- my Willoughby will come upon me and uh, load me up in a wheelbarrow and wheel me back to safety. And then be like, ooh, as they push me because the wheelchair isn't very strong. Yes. Uh-huh. Like, you know, not that I've had that happen, but I've had that happen. Anyway, um, she looks like a Botticelli painting. It's glorious. Um, I had a hard time with this. I feel like there are a lot of people who would who would do the outlines of it very well. But it's just so fully realized the way that she yeah. has portrayed it. It'd be very easy for this kind to just kind of be a two-dimensional yes, very. part. I have, this is someone who... I do not I do not think would be nearly as successful in the role as as Kate Winslet. But I thought like uh a few years ago up to now, like an Emma Watson makes sense as someone that people might be looking at for that sort of thing, you know, just like precocious, younger, you know. I guess she's just always I mean, and maybe it's just the Hermione of it all, but even in other things I've seen, there's just such a like she's not the one that's gonna lose her head over yeah i'm not thrilled guy, by it you know? i, I e- not... even just think because i've seen the, the new little woman which you have not oh no i have not uh who does she play in that amy joe beth meg okay well not she doesn't die so she's not she's beth. not beth joe she's is not, the lead she's not joe that's Sir Ronan. she's not amy because amy's the one that, she's the youngest that, yeah so, so she's she's meg she's, she's meg. the oldest that actually makes sense meg is the uptight one <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay no you're right i just don't have any great thoughts. i hear you because i think actually her co-star from that little woman florence Pugh, i who's the amy i i could so say amy I, is a very easy translation that's kirsten dunst in the mm, uh in the well right. young, she plays young the younger amy, and then you who's, know and then who's the older amy is it is it Samantha Morton? Is that a person who would have done this? Please look it up because I'll tell Samantha you Morton, what I don't. I'll look it up. Samantha Mathis. Oh. Princess Daisy from oh. Super Mario Bros. Previous episode. Wow, wow, So wow, you were wow, right. Wow, it was wow, a wow, Samantha wow, wow. M. But it was a, a Samantha M of the 90s. Samantha M. Um, <laughs> wow. Uh, Never connected those dots. Also, like sure. in, in that Little Women, there's very little. Ooh, a young Gabriel Byrne. G- kind a, of strides a, the line between Brandon and Willoughby, depending on sure. what time of life we're catching sure, him. Sure, sure. Very dashing. Uh, as for Marianne, I could also see of the time, it would be a disaster <laughs> with, with Emma Thompson still as Eleanor. Oh, but I could oh, see I know. Oh, yeah, Helena you're Bonham right. Carter. You're very right. But temperamentally, I could see a That's young Helena Bonham Carter thinking of her as Ophelia in that Mel Gibson Hamlet just around around that time. Oh, Ophelia also played by Kate Winslet. Like you do it's want true. you do want kind of like an Ophelia energy and Amy energy. You want yeah. someone with a lot of intensity. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's dangerous. But yeah. and good. Ma- and Today, I could see uh, Daisy Ridley. I could see, you know, from, sure. from Ray from the Star Wars films. And because uh, also someone's like, yes, I, I want someone who was going is kicking ass in like action sci fi epics. But then you once again, you just like funnel that into I want love like I want to mm-hmm. live. Uh, and I think she'd do good as well. Uh, so Emma Thompson, because she wanted Natasha Richardson as Eleanor. And Jolie Richardson oh, for Marianne, yeah, uh, who I primarily know from I watched a few seasons of that show Nip Tuck, and for that live action Hundred and One Dalmatians that she's like it's her and she's the one that Glenn Close is trying to kill her puppies. I mean, I haven't seen it since the theaters, um, but I like the idea of getting real. Li- I mean, get it to get real life sisters, yes, to play these roles. I think that's a beautiful idea. I've yeah. seen. I've seen like real life brothers do a top dog underdog on stage, which Mm -hmm. was incredible. Um, But they definitely weren't. Well, although I guess I Kate Winslet wasn't like a name the way Emma Thompson was more known at the time. So uh, in terms of like Natasha Richardson and Julie Richardson are, they're not bringing like a name recognition. You were not getting Joan Fontaine and Olivia de Havilland levels of fame (laughs) quite yet, you know? I suppose that is true. Uh, But that's who Emma Thompson wanted. And also actress Amanda Root was sought (gasps) for the role of Marianne. I love Amanda Root. And performed the role at a read-through of an early draft of the script. However, by the time the movie was being made, she could not appear as she was already working on 1995's other Jane Austen adaptation, persuasion oh see the 90s were a hot time for jane austen if 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 you go back and listen to the episode of los culturistas that i'm on which is like i don't know from 2017 or something like that 
because it, we're talking to me, we get on like a Jane Austen, like Naturally. We're talking about Jane Austen. you'd have to, you'd must. <laughs> and Matt Rogers mentioned something like, I, I talk about like this Jane Austen, like explosion that's happened over the last however long. He's like, can you imagine if she got, if she got like so famous that she was like, like she was like more famous than like Selena Gomez and <laughs> Bowen and I just like burst into tears. We were laughing so hard. And I was like, Sel- now I get, I do but understand Jane listener. Austen? That Jane, Jane Austen to be more famous than famous Selena Gomez. Than Selena and Gomez. listener, I do understand that Selena Gomez, at least for many years, was one of the most followed people on Twitter and Instagram. Like, I do understand she is like tremendously and, and as famous. As I but know, I was Jane like, Austen, not not many followers on Twitter and Instagram. <laughs> I was like, Matt, in my circles, she's always been more famous than Selena Gomez. It's like, I think it depends on who you're talking to. Oh, but it just boy, made me laugh. I was like, of all the people. Gomez. Uh, but anyway, yeah, she had quite an explosion. Amanda Root is wonderful. I want to Selena see Amanda and Root sensibility. in everything. Selena and sensibility. Well. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Uh, so those were all the characters that I found other <laughs> casting options for. There are a few characters we didn't mention. I want to briefly touch on them. Hugh Grant, as Edward Ferris, he was always Emma Thompson's first choice. He agreed to reduce his normal salary in order to help with the budget. Uh, and during filming, the Jane Austen Society telephoned co-producer james sheamus to complain about his casting claiming that he was too good looking to play edward ferris oh well i mean he's he's very attractive but he's no greg wise you know <laughs> i suppose i guess but for some people you know uh he no is. i get it it's he's... the way everyone casts rochester and jane Eyre. it's like that man is not supposed to be that dashing that's part of the point i get it I get it. We want a real crater face as our Jane Austen leads. We want a nightmare to look at. Cast Gollum. We want Andy Serkis as Gollum. That's who I want. As... We want three strands of hair hanging limply if while he hunts for a fish with his bare hands. We want you to cast our this male lead. We don't want a hunk. We want three pigs standing on top of one another in a trench coat. <laughs> I mean, look, uh, it's tricky. You get someone like Toby Jones and it's partially the way that he looks, but it's also partially what he's bringing to it that makes him creepy. You know, like he's Toby Jones in general or Toby Jones in a particular role. In many roles. I would say in there's like that one episode of Sherlock. where oh, they he's even, a real creeper. In yeah. That. They even talked about that. Like we brought in Toby Jones as our guest star. We're not trying to pretend he's not the murderer. It's Toby right. Jones. So right, let's right, like right. lean into it from the jump and make it more of a like this or that. But like there are plenty of people who are, you might say, middlingly attractive <laughs> Who are still great at conveying things. Um, but that's that's hilarious. That does feel like very much a, a literature. It's such a funny complaint to me. I'm so used to like hearing like, he's not good enough to play this person from this book who I've always envisioned to be like the most beautiful person that no one could have ever imagined in their life. Mm-hmm. But to be like, he's too good looking. I think it's such a funny thing to complain it's about. It's very funny. Um, but I think he's great in this. I think it's one of my favorite Hugh Grants that I've seen. I think it's an excellent seen. usage of Hugh Grant. I love that they have like the the wardrobe department that his jackets are so his clothes look so tight on him mm-hmm. but to make it look like he's having such difficulty walking anywhere it looks like his arms like he's stuck his arms are stuck <laughs> to his sides and he's just kind of shambling about just awkwardly trying not to take up space talk about of how an actor disturbs the air he seems like he is always trying to move the air as little as because possible his sister is being played by Harriet Walter as Fanny so it's like yeah you think about it, you're in that family and he's and he's like the oldest of these three siblings, and you've got Fanny and Robert as your. They are taking siblings. up all the air in the room. He is barely room to breathe. Exactly, he's like, I'm gonna go hide in the corner with a book. <laughs> but he's so good. He's also he's so charming with like the youngest, Ugh, uh, with Margaret, so and all good. how he coaxes her out, where she's just hiding away because she's so sad and miserable, and mm-hmm. he's like gets her out to helping with the atlas, and then playing like pirates as she just jams him in the stomach with a stick so at one funny. point uh which made me laugh oh makes me laugh every time <laughs> he's so good we've we've talked about Gemma jones and tom oh. wilkinson as miss mrs and mr dashwood I, every time Gemma jones pops up in something i am thrilled i was re-watching rocket man last night because why right, not right. and um Gemma jones and harriet walter are both in it Gemma jones playing elton john's grandmother mm. and harriet walter having basically a glorified cameo as his piano teacher it was just like oh yeah i love uh, Gemma jones i think is 
the mom in Bridget Jones's diary. She sure is. Yeah. She's Bridget Jones's mom. And she's in uh, some of those Harry Potter films. I forget who she plays. I forget. She's in some of the later ones. She's in a lot. She's in like a Poirot here and a Marple there, like that kind of thing. But she's, right. she's just one of those actors who is always working and consistently excellent. Yeah. And she's excellent in this. Uh, well, she's that first scene where we first meet her and she's like deep in the throes of grief and she's like packing you know she's like now i have to like leave uh, reduce the stages of a visitor to my own home like the ferocity what she brings and yet it's still feeling like perfectly couched for film i don't know i'm such a fan she's great yeah we've talked about hugh laurie and imelda staunton they're perfect it's so good imelda staunton her one (laughs) her one moment i always remember from this film from the first time we saw it it's like one of the things i always remember the best is her like i forget what she get they, something gets her attention for her to run over <gasps> like that, like an excited dog it's when it's when lucy and and eleanor are trying to disguise what they've been talking about and lucy goes we were talking of london ma'am and right. all its diversions right. and then lucy goes, do you hear that lucy and she goes <gasps> as she's right it is so funny so it's especially perfect knowing her so well as Dolores Umbridge it is such a joy to see her in this as Just this such like a little daffy nitty. ducky idiot yeah because she like what'd she get an Oscar nomination for Vera for Vera Drake yeah. yeah like to do this like serious serious movie that that's like what really launches you in the states but you know and the stuff that she's known for like in musical theater in the yeah. West End for doing like follies Mama Rose and, Gypsy, and Follies yeah, yeah. Just to see like the range of a lot of these actors, because you have an actor writing the screenplay who is writing for, in some cases, people that they know and being like, I know this person can do all this funny stuff. I know Hugh Laurie can have a a dramatic moment. I don't need to make it into a joke. Like I know what they're capable of. Um, It just reeks of non-Hollywood in a really beautiful way, in a way Mm. that feels more tied to like what you would get when you're like in a repertory company with a bunch of actors who it's like, yeah, I've seen you play all these things. I know you can do it. So like, yeah, you'll be perfect as this like ridiculous clown. Yeah. Go to go nuts, you know, (laughs) go nuts. And yes, we've talked about Harry Walter. Uh, It's perfection. It's excellent. It's such a good heel turn. No notes. She's she makes me so mad every time I see her dang face because she's just the worst (laughs) Uh, and we, the one we haven't really talked about is Greg Wise as John Willoughby, who I think he's so he's so good. He's so I think charming. It's gorgeous casting, like literally gorgeous and also figuratively gorgeous. Like, yeah, he's beautiful. He's dashing. He's costumed and quaffed within an inch of his life. But he wears it like, yeah, like oh, I've just grown up wearing these like fancy, ridiculous togs. Like right. just he's so comfortable and that and the, his such ease. And yeah, he's so charming. Yeah. So Emma Thompson talked about this story that before he did the before he was uh like arrived he knew he was cast before he got there he went to see a friend of his who was a bit witchy and she said he would meet his future partner on the film so he assumed it wasn't emma thompson because she was still married at the time right. this was still which as we said hinted at before kenneth Branagh. this is when kenneth Branagh was having a very public affair, affair with, with hannah bottom carter. carter so like kenneth Branagh and emma thompson's marriage was like pretty much done but they were still married so mm-hmm. he's like you are married and as M. thompson said he assumed it wasn't me because i was married and quite a lot older than him so he thought it might be kate winslet mm-hmm. so oh he took kate winslet to the glastonbury music festival on a date and she was so bored and he thought this isn't gonna work who can it be <laughs> and thompson said then things happened that probably shouldn't have happened and it's been 25 years in may uh which i adore oh there's this wonderful i think i've recommended this podcast uh in our recommends before but it's called i said no gifts yeah and bridger weiniger is the host and he's hilarious but basically like the conceit is like you have a a guest on he's like i told you not to bring a gift but they bring him a gift and it's really stupid anyway over covid obviously they've had to like they would have stuff sent to his house and then he'd do the thing over zoom Emma Thompson's daughter, I think, found out about the podcast and like had her listen to it. And she emailed them saying, can I, Emma Thompson, be a guest on your podcast? And they had to like do some checking to make sure it was legit. Actually, Emma Thompson. And then so it's this delightful like interview and and Emma Thompson like sends him a bunch of like British sweets and everything. And but she talks about them being like up in Scotland and like, you know, I think uh, 
like living on like this rustic farm type thing. And it's just funny because I'm just like, oh, I'm picturing just like Greg Wise, you know, out there tromping about in, right. in the Scottish <laughs> wilds. Oh, that's great. Uh, so final thoughts, Amy Joe. any characters we didn't mention, any moments besides all of the moments? We didn't talk about uh, the actress who played Margaret. And I think she's a remarkably wonderful young actress. Yeah. She's so charming. Um, and she... I mean, the way that they've styled them all, the hair in particular, so that they just look like they couldn't be more related. Like it, as I said before, I don't think for similitude is like all that important, but if you're going to go for it, they really went for it in a way that is like really exciting. Yeah. They all look like they're related. Yeah. It's great. Uh, sibling casting. It is, uh, there was this actor, uh, Emile or Emily, Emily, Emily Francois. It looks like her name, not a ton of credits. I think this was her first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, only three credits. This is her first one, but she's great. She's great. She's, great. she's so, so funny. Just delightful little um, strong youngest child energy. Definitely. Um, definitely. But just just a real treat. I like her a lot. And and to that note, <laughs> there was a point at which once they moved to like get kicked out of their big house and they moved to the little cottage, she's like, you know, running wild. And she starts at one point. Uh, there's a shot of her like poking a stick at a little bog or something. And I just wrote down what Jeff began to sing. Here are the lyrics. Stick in a bog, stick in a bog, stick, 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 stick in a bog. Well, it was the kind of thing that just took me back to when I was a kid where you're like, oh, you got nothing to do. (laughs) You're just trying to kill time. And you're like, well, here's a big gross bog and I found a stick. I'm just going to poke this stick in this bog and that's going to be my day. Stick in a bog, stick in a bog, stick, 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 stick in a bog. Top of the charts. Uh, so I've got two bits of trivia I want to end on. While working on the script, Emma Thompson's computer developed a problem. No, and she this was I remember. unable to locate the file. So she took the computer to Stephen Fry, an expert in Apple computers, who after seven hours finally managed to retrieve the script while Thompson had tea with Hugh Laurie, who happened to be at Fry's house at the time. <laughs> and that is why Stephen Fry is thanked in the credits by the producers because mm-hmm. he saved the script. Yep. And so in her book which I assume is what you're talking about, the sense and sensibility screenplay and diaries yes. bring Jane Austen's novel to film. Emma Thompson wrote that after a particularly difficult day filming a sequence that involved a flock of sheep, because there's you see them all over this film, director Ang Lee swore he would never again use sheep on a movie set. Never again will I make a movie involving all these sheep. And then 10 years later, of course, Lee would go on to direct and win <laughs> the Oscar for directing Brokeback Mountain about two men. <laughs> Who are hurting sheep. (laughs) Never say never. Never say never. Do you have a movie that you'd love for us to break down the casting of? Email us at endalmoststarring at gmail.com and let us know. Gosh, do you want to follow our shenanigans on social media? See what film we're doing next and just see our gorgeous mugs? Why, you can follow us on Instagram at andalmoststarring. Until next time, I'm Jeff Ronan. I'm Amy Jo Jackson. And thanks for joining us to see who almost starred.